Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. And welcome to another lovely episode of the Lines Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me today is Liam. Hello, Liam. Hello. Notably, hopefully not sounding like my voice was ran through a blender. You know, it's weird. Um, I didn't do it. Like, I just woke up not that long ago. Um, I took a dog. I took one of my dogs for a walk. And uh, somehow I just sound exhausted. Now, there's a lot of... This isn't going to come out for several weeks after I record this, so I'm not going to go too far into current events, but they're not good. Uh, so I've been spending my morning uh, talking to uh, a lot of uh, rightfully upset and uh, emotional people. So maybe that's uh, kind of drew me out a bit. Um, sure. How you doing? Oh, I'm terrific. I might have liver disease. Outstanding. <laughs> Uh, that's obviously we are doing swell. Yeah, this is the picture of health um, here in the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. Um, anyway, get us to the new Patreon level, and we can afford Liam a new liver. Um, that's honestly the way America works. Not even that much of a parody. Um, I do have health insurance, thank God. Yeah, what's what's that? Uh, now uh, there, there's the, there's an interesting trend on this show, Liam, where Every conflict uh, we talk about, whether it be a whole war, firefight, uh, border skirmish, uh, we're always kind of asking, okay, who do you think was the worst side in this? And I don't mean like politically or morally, of course. I mean like militarily, who who is the more incompetent? And uh, generally speaking, like the heavy hitters that we've talked about, whether it be the Iran-Iraq war um, or whoever... It's a pretty straight through line in most cases. Like both sides fucking suck, right? Um, they sure do, Joe. So we're going to do a two-parter. We're, we're doing a two-parter uh, uh, where that is not in debate. Uh, and that is the first Greco-Italian war, which means that's right. We are talking about living cartoon character and founding father of fascism, Benito Mussolini. Great. Great, just I always want to fucking talk about Mussolini. I, uh, I want to talk about how he how he hanged a lot. Yeah, he's the noted fan of sleeping like a bat, Benito Mussolini. Um, and I do go live to our Italian correspondent, Vinny Jones. So fucking oitos. I hate them Italian bastards. <laughs> I'll be getting a lot of use out of that. Um, now... Most people are aware, at least fans of this show, uh, maybe some World War II heads are um, pretty aware of how incompetent the Italian military is. But, you know, it kind of gets swept under the rug because of the Italian war effort was completely consumed by the German war effort. Um, and that didn't happen in a vacuum. There's a reason for that. Uh, and without a doubt, uh, like there's a lot of debate on who was the, uh, the, the most incompetent military in World War I. And the correct answer is, all of them. Um, in World War II, that's not up for debate. It is uh, 100% the Kingdom of Italy, uh, which is Italy's official name during this time. Uh, I, I will hear no dissent on this opinion for because we are about really to <laughs> we we are about to explain in depth why that is the case. Um, now, the reason that Italy and their idiot leader got involved in World War II in the first place is the same reason they got involved in an incredibly badly thought out war in Ethiopia a few years before. And it's something that we've uh, we've we've danced around a little bit. That is, is it for empire. Uh, yeah, uh, kind of. Whoa, whoa, it's for empire. That's crazy. Empire with extra steps uh, in a oh. concept known as Italian irredentism. OK, uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, all right. 
We're going to talk about, a little bit about that because it <laughs> unceded is, papal states territory. Kind of. It's actually even dumber than that, uh, which oh, is why right. normally I don't go into like political philosophy or anything on the show because one, I could not give a fuck less about it most of the time. Sure. Uh, most of the time it's very boring. Um, and I just don't care about political theory. However, uh, sometimes it's so off the walls bonkers that it it merits a a side uh, in a side conversation. And, and fascist irredentism is absolutely one of those things, specifically Italian fascist irredentism. Now, there's a small bit of deflection on top of this as well, because Italy's economy was imploding, as fascist economies generally do. Uh, and, y- you know, like we've talked about time and time again, military glory is a really good way of distracting people away from various societal failings. Now, Italian irredentism was all of the rage in nationalist circles. It only grew once the fascists took over. After the uh, Risorgimento or the Italian uni- or the Italian unification uh, in my flawless Italian. That's uh, not like Garibaldi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, there like the the concept of irredentism was not new uh, when the unification occurred. And most irredentists claimed places that had an ethnically Italian population for the new unified kingdom of Italy. Now, most of these places had been considered Italian states before Italy was a thing. Like the concept of Italy was new, but people were still considered Italian, kind of. Uh, The government was a pretty big fan of this concept because it gave them power uh, and it gave them the ability that a lot of countries don't have. That is kind of building a national identity on the fly built around the unification of ethnically Italian peoples, right? Sure, sure. Now, that's bad, generally, um, but it actually got worse when fascists took over, specifically what? Mussolini. Um, Dude, <laughs> most things do, in fact, get worse when fascists take over. Yes, I'm aware. The, the show, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. gets worse. As I a said the thing. Yeah, um, I have an attitude about it. That's fine. <laughs> Don't you get shitty with me in my own fucking catchphrase. <laughs> Uh, now he believed in a form of irredentism that was connected to the, that connected the modern kingdom of Italy not to a concept of modern Italy, but the Roman Empire uh, and all of its previous holdings. Despite the fact that you know they, other than occupying the same capital city of Rome, obviously that would change depending on what side of the Roman Empire you have to be on at some point. The two states had nothing in common. They didn't speak the same language. They were not the same ethnicity. And Romans certainly would not have called themselves Italian. They would have called themselves Roman. Yeah. Uh, the concept of Italy was not a thing. But that didn't stop, you know, not having an education in history or not giving a fuck has never stopped fascists. I can't fascists. imagine the irredentists really cared all that much about getting the facts right. Nah, they generally don't. Um, now, this belief was generally known as Spazio Vitale or living space, in case that sounds familiar. Oh, uh, hmm. Yeah. Now, rather than... Uh, uh, Thinking that Italians were a master race of humanity, they simply believed they were a custodian and superior race to all of the races that lived in the area that they considered part of this Roman Empire 2.0. And they believed, Mussolini believed, that this ra- this race of Italians were were supposed to act of the of a custodian, uh, uh, act as a custodian over these areas that would be brought up to the quote unquote civilized world, and these colonized areas would act as a dumping ground uh, for the ah. quote unquote surplus population of Italy, which would then con- uh, colonize it. Um, yeah, it's imperialism uh, with yeah. a fancy eagle slapped on top. I was, was going to say, this This sounds like some weird ass white man's burden shit. It absolutely is. Yeah, it's it's like, no, no, we don't think that you're less than human. You're simply less than us. Uh, and you, we must lift you up to this level. I mean, that you, you, you're welcome. Yeah. Ugh. Now, Mussolini believed this so much after his forces barely took over Ethiopia in the second (laughs) attempt of Italy, uh, he began to refer to Italy as the Italian Empire, though this name change was never really made official, and it never had an emperor. Uh, It stayed as the king. Um, 
And the, like the Victor em- Emmanuel, you son of a bitch. I mean, you're not wrong here. I uh, fucking know I'm not. <laughs> Emmanuel was 100% on board with this because how it worked was these imperial, quote unquote, imperial territories worked under a personal union with the Italian crown. So they didn't fall under the kingdom of Italy. The empire fell under King Emmanuel personally. So like he was like, yes, give me more fancy titles. Uh, he was 100% on board. Now, he's still being in a nip away at territories in order to make this possible in a world that really, really, really did not want to fight another world war. That's the only reason why any of this shit happened. Right. Now, we talked a little bit about this in our episode about the War of the Stray Dog, but uh, like Mussolini invaded the Greek island of Corfu, which somehow ended with the League of Nations getting Greece to pay them indemnities to leave. <laughs> Uh, because like they were they were just trying to appease literally any aggressive nation, uh, like uh, famously uh, 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 King or Emperor Sassoli of of Ethiopia would would go to the League of Nations personally and appeal them to stop Italy from you know doing what they were doing, and the League of Nations like ah what are we can what are we gonna do about it? Didn't do shit, right? Um, I'm stunned, man. Stunned. Absolutely stunned. stunned. Yeah. What's this? Man, I find myself stunned on the show a lot. The League of Nations didn't help black people. Who would have thought? That's what? crazy. Uh, now, this this also included like Italy and Britain hashing out their long term um, disagreements over Somalia, where they'd finally define the borders because Italy was threatening war again. And, and Britain was like, fine, fine, we'll give you whatever you want. Just don't drag the world into another war, uh, which. Of course, Neville like, Chamberlain a bitch. Neville Chamberlain a bitch. And like you, you just can't appease people with this attitude because, of course, this led to them having more and more claims, like through the entirety of the Balkans and Mediterranean region. Um, even with the huge support, Italy. All right. So, small side note here obviously, the Spanish Civil War occurred. We'll eventually talk about it more in depth. Uh, but one of the biggest, how everybody knows about like the Condor Legion with Nazi Germany helping the, um, the Spaniards. So most people are aware of the Condor Legion, but a lot of people are unaware to the sheer amount of help that fascist Italy gave Franco. Uh, And not it wasn't like a side hustle. This is a full on military operation. This is for a lot of different reasons. One was Mussolini thought that, you know, making his young uh, men go to war create a warrior spirit. More on that Uh, later. Okay. Um, Yeah. Famously, it worked out, and Benito Mussolini died peacefully. Yeah, as <laughs> noted military powerhouse, Kingdom of Italy. Um, <laughs> now, uh, and another part of this was actually kind of funny in retrospect. Um, it was because he wanted to be in a dominant position over Francisco Franco when the war ended, and when the, obviously the fascists won the civil war, and that's when Mussolini pressured Franco into allowing a permanent Italian troop presence in Spain. He wanted to turn them into a client state. What? Um, Yeah. uh, Which, of course, Franco told him to fuck off. And so he did. He's like, oh, okay. Um, Like most like it's not really talked about because it's such like a side story that Mussolini tried to flex on a lot of people and everybody told him to fuck off. How embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, when that didn't work, he turned towards the Mediterranean, where his main rival would be France and their various colonies in Algeria, Tunisia, and Djibouti. Uh, not to mention, they actually controlled the Suez Canal at the time. So this is considered more of a of a building feud because this is not quite World War II yet, and even Mussolini probably knew fucking with France would end with him getting his shit kicked in. Because you know, I know we 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 make everybody makes jokes about France during World War II and the World War II era. But at the end of World War I, France is considered one of the strongest countries in the world, um, even though they murdered an entire generation in a meat grinder of the trenches, right? Like, there's no denying how strong France is. And, and obviously, they had taken some hits, but they were still around. I feel perpetually embarrassed to be a Francophile. I believe my dad. He's just like, ah, I'm fascinated with this culture. And for the rest of your life, it's going to be your problem. I, I fully understand where you're coming from. Um, now, knowing he couldn't fuck with France, Mussolini unrolled the map and, re- and decided to figure out, okay, who can we beat? And his, <laughs> and his finger landed on Albania uh, because Albania <laughs> has not suffered enough. Um, now, 
This was uh, considered something of a, of a cakewalk for the Italians for a lot of reasons. Italy and Albania had become very, very close using Italian soft power. For instance, pretty much every officer in the Royal Albanian Army was Italian. Um, and like uh, they were supposed to supply the Al- Albanian military with weapons and they simply just stopped. Uh, so they wouldn't have weapons to fight them with. Oh, that's so, weird. Yeah. So one day when all the what Italian kind of defense officer, pact is that? <laughs> it's an Italian one. <laughs> or as a famous saying in Albania goes, No fucking oil toys. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> now, this war only lasted a week. Famously, of course. Yeah. Uh, this war only lasted a week because that's what happens when you're, uh, when none of your officers show up for work. Well, you're I Albania. Guess. Yeah. When somebody steamrolls in Albania. Yeah. Now, this did not build the confidence of the Italian military, which is not exactly led by the true believers of fascism, actually, uh, because, you know, even though obviously most fascists and dictators, Mussolini as well, likes to surround themselves with gutless yes men. At this point, it was still full of people who had long careers in the military. They right. hadn't been completely replaced Urged. yet. Yeah. Uh, so there were still people who were. Not sold into the fascist ideals of Italy, and, well, you know, and one would think World War One is still a pretty fresh memory for a lot of these guys. Yeah, mo- and all of them are veterans of that war, to include Mussolini right. himself, actually. Right, um, right, right. And you know, they knew that saying, "Hey, we shouldn't invade Albania" was a bad idea for their career, but they also figured, "Look, our our military can be held to go with duct tape. We could probably still c- pull this off." Um, so, like. But after the war, they tried to treat, treat it as a a learning uh, experience. Where they be like, okay, these are the things that didn't work in Albania, right? Um, and this is <laughs> like how we can improve upon focus them. Focus group. And that's like, what you're supposed now, to do, right? Like, it, it, yeah. that, even in the U.S. military, have something called the Centers for Lessons Learned, where it, like compiles right. our our various failures to learn from at a later date. <laughs> um, that that book is gathering dust these days, but like. Yeah, hypothetically, we, this want, is how we you won learn. in Afghanistan, Joe. Yeah, you just have to keep. There's just a thousand asterisks in there. Um, now, one of these uh, these guys, is, uh, Count Siano's chief assistant, uh, noted, "quote If the Albanians had possessed a well armed fire brigade, they could have driven us into the Adriatic Sea." Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so not exactly a glowing endorsement, but uh, not workshop at all. that. Workshop that. The king of Italy, Emmanuel himself, thought the war was pointless, and he it really only seemed like Mussolini wanted to show he could take over stuff, too. Because if you look at the date, this is right after uh, Germany had taken over Austria and annexed parts of Czechoslovakia. So, like, they're Mussolini, like... Mussolini is the jealous younger brother saying, I can do it, too, I can do it, too. This is 100%. This is Mussolini's entire life until he's murdered. Uh, like, Yeah, oh, yeah. That's what an asshole. This led to obviously by 1940, Italy officially entered World War II. Um, and this was not actually to bolster their bro and fascism because it's important to point out that while we rightfully consider Italy the junior partner in this alliance, Mussolini did not. Uh, but no. Mussolini no. knew it was his best way to expand to all of the places that he wanted to expand to. Because he was fighting with Germany, and Germany was much better at war than Italy was, and knew that they would handle most of the fighting. Uh, like, right. you know, the Battle of France is a thing. Mm-hmm. Italy ends up in that one, too, in, a, in, a, in an episode that most people just either weren't taught about, because it's hardly a thing. We're a real empire! We're a real empire! That's... that that If, if, uh, if Italy had a t-shirt, that's what it would say. <laughs> now... Entering the war on any side was strongly argued against by every military leader within the Italian military at the time. Oh, that's uh, crazy. <laughs> to include the king. The king is like, yo, what are we doing here? I have enough titles. Please, no more. It's unpronounceable as it is. Uh, Field Marshal Petro Badoglio told Mussolini that the Italian military was completely unprepared. Divisions were not up to strength. Troops lacked, lacked simple things like boots and rifles, and training had been lackluster. There hadn't been anything over a, a battalion-sized training exercise in like three years. Out of the entire military's arsenal of 7,970 artillery pieces, 
Less than 250 were modern. Oh, that's not a great ratio. You want to guess where the rest of those guns came from? I don't know. Uh, Jesus Christ. What wars in Europe were fought in like 1870? Yeah. It was a weird <laughs> papal state war. They were all reparations from World War One. Oh, that's more modern than I gave them credit for. <laughs> now, furthermore, they had very few real tanks, uh, numbering in about the dozens. Uh, now, these were all garbage tanks with horrible mechanical problems. And there's so few of them, they're not even really worth Are they? Are these Italian-designed? Are these... Yes. Okay. Which immediately makes them bad. The Italians yes. have never once made a good tank, no. in there, and they have no. continued to not make good tanks. At the um, uh, Imperial War Museum in London, there's a, an Italian manned torpedo that is like, I hate to say it's pretty, but you know how weapons can be pretty, right? Like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you can it's, look at them and be like, that's a, that's a sexy George, piece of death engineering right, right there. Right. Except that uh, the Italians build their weapons much like they build their cars, which is a... Uh, beautiful B borderline non-functional. <laughs> now, uh, most of what they did have was tankettes, which is oh. exactly what it sounds like. In case nobody has ever pictured one of these, Google it. It's a literally baby tank. Most of these are manned by one to two men. Um, they do not have any kind of heavy weapons on them. Uh, normally, only medium caliber machine guns. Cool. And their armor is Useful. so thin, it could be shot through with a hunting rifle. All right. That sounds like I had an ideal place to start for a war. Let's do it, dude. Absolutely. Um, now, Mussolini knew all this. There's, this isn't like he was force-fed things by yes-men. Right. When Badoglio told him all these things, he simply told him, quote, I only need a few thousand dead so I can sit at the peace conference as a man who has fought. Oh, that's okay. I mean, I know that fascists are psychopaths, but like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, he's like, the soldiers need that? Fuck the soldiers. <laughs> Which is, it's funny because as a low, former lower enlisted person, we all joke that people actually think this way and rarely do they actually say it out loud. Grind <laughs> yeah. up the bodies for all I care. Yeah, fuck them. Um, now... Most people are aware of the Italian push into Africa, which we will talk about at some other time. Completely different theater. It will get its own series. But the real starting well, line of embarrassment was the Italians in their invasion to southern France across the Alps. Oh, now, if you're thinking, what's this Italian soldiers throwing themselves in a frozen, uh, frozen mountains and dying by the thousands? What is this World War One? Kind of. Yeah. Um, remix. Now the French called this war effort a stab in the back to a man who's already fallen. Now the reason for this is because Paris had already been abandoned and declared an open city on June 9th and was already being occupied by the 14th and Italy declared war on France on June 10th, the day after Paris had been giving away, knowing <laughs> that the war was already over. They're like, alright, time, time to clean up shop, baby. <laughs> The, the the like the national war effort uh, version of a closing picture a pitcher in baseball. Now they believed this so thoroughly that they had no offensive plan to invade France other than just calling for a mobilization and then just rolling on vibes. Um, Dick move. Marshal Granzani, the man put in charge of the coming offensive, was so sure it would fail that he recorded all of his staff meetings to absolve himself from future guilt. But by the time that the Italians actually launched their offensive on June 21st, which remember is like a week after Paris itself had been occupied, uh, most people like assumed that the French would just abandon their positions. Like the war is over, your capital's fallen. Why the fuck would you still be fighting? Now, vibes. And just just to put this in further historical perspective, the Dunkirk evacuation had already started and ended. The French were on their own, and they knew this. Their government was running for their lives. The Italians had begun giving classes to their soldiers, had act around French girls, assuming that the war was over, and they were just going to walk through the Alps and take them without a fight. So uh, th that's what they tried to do. They marched right through the Alpine passes in no kind of battle formation, right into the guns of the French, who may have known that they were beaten, but they did not give a single fuck about that. Who cares? Party hardy, man. You already know you're going down. You know what I mean? You're just like, all right, well, fuck it. Like, just because we know we lost doesn't mean we're going to let you walk care. in and take this shit. <laughs> like the French government lost this battle. The French soldier did not. 
<laughs> what are they going to do? Shoot me? Like, yeah. Oh, that, no. The Italians were stalled at every single Alpine pass, despite the fact that they That's outnumbered so the French by tens of thousands in some places. Italians, famously not very good at war. Those fucking Italians. <laughs> <laughs> like... It, it's noted that the French uh, joked they didn't have to aim. They just have to shoot in the general direction of the Italians because there were so many of them they couldn't miss. Um, no, that's tough. That's that's tough. Not to mention the French were, you know, How do you fighting. lose a war you already won? Yeah, it's uh, it's not even an Uno reverse card because the card doesn't even need to be played. Like, just hang out at the border until the instrument of surrender is signed and just, like, jump across. Like, look, mm-hmm. here we are. We did uh, it. We conquered France. Now the majority of Italians no at the side. <laughs> the majority of Italian casualties were not caused by the French because there just were not that many of them. Most right. of the lines in the south had been There's evacuated driver, north yeah. to fight the Germans. Um, but the weather, on the other hand, was solidly um, anti-fascist action <laughs> uh, because they were invading it through the Alps. It did not matter that it was June. There was blinding snowstorms and all sorts of other shit. Thanks, nature. Yeah, uh, for instance, soldiers had such a hard time breathing in the like snow-filled, hyper-cold air that they put on their gas masks because it helped them, which Jeez. is just incredible. Uh, not to mention they got lost in the driving snowstorms. They wandered off of cliffs. Good. <laughs> Eventually, they are able to push through by sheer force of numbers and capture the town of Menton uh, and a few small villages numbering in like eight uh, they're all very, very small. Right. And uh, a few days later, an armistice was signed. That's all the Italians captured in their in their southern French uh, offensive. This wow, cost them a thousand good. men. Jesus Christ. As well as two thousand more that who is, were frostbite casualties. Not a good Caden. No. Uh, the 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 French suffered like sixty dead. Correction: forty. <laughs> How? How do you lose a war you've already won? Uh. Uh, despite winning, Mussolini. And remember, not Mu- winning. Not well. Let's not call it winning. Uh, I mean, being it's, uh, on the winning side. They technically won the best kind of victory. Um, <laughs> now, remember, the whole reason that Mussolini got involved is because we simply have to throw a whole bunch of Italians into the wood chipper. At which point, we can enter into the negotiation table and plead our case to right. you know claim all of these areas. Hang out with he- the big boys, sure. He was so embarrassed by what happened that he didn't even bother to demand the various territories that were the reason why he got involved in the first place. Uh, he showed up, but like was pretty much just like a wallflower at a club. Like, gotcha. yeah, the Italians are here. They have nothing to say. Now, during all of these glorious Italian military victories, Italian propaganda kept continuously pointing fi- a finger at the Greeks, charging them with being allies of the French and the British and helping their war effort in some ways. And this is where things get kind of complicated because they were, they didn't have much of a choice. Now, the Greeks wanted British help because they saw Italy getting ready to go to war and they knew what that meant, but they didn't actually get it. The Brits had promised Greek security during the Italian-Ethiopian War, which had long been over, but not beyond that. Mm. This meant uh, during the, the meantime, the, the Brits had been pretty much leaving the, uh, the Greeks on their own security-wise while fucking with them politically. Like, for instance, backing the restoration of the Greek monarchy and sitting an Anglophile named George II on its throne. Um, this is a man so doomed in his job that he would go into exile on three separate occasions before the throne was abolished (laughs) once again. Yeah. As well as proceed over a civil war, which would kill a hundred thousand people. George II, not a good king. Now, admittedly, admittedly, he did do something good. And I do not, in fact, have to hand it to the monarchy, but this is something I kind of do without George there's a very good chance. Greece joins the Nazis. Uh, now because they had their own fascist leader. Right. Proto-fascist leader known and uh, known as Ionis Metaxas. Now he came to power by cooing himself while he was prime minister. Uh, like he he was put into power as prime minister and then took all of the power uh, with the support of the king. Um, now the difference is is he wasn't that popular. The people of Greece were pretty happy with the king, mm-hmm. and the military was loyal to the king. So. Greece just went with the foreign policy choices of the king because as Metaxas was 
in charge on paper, he did not have the power to go against the king. So therefore, right. they were British allies. So without the king, there's a really good chance Metaxas allies themselves with the Nazis in some capacity. Now, following this and knowing Italy was going to fuck around again, Metaxas tried to get an alliance with the British to shore up their defenses, and he was promptly told to go fuck himself. After Albania was taking over, Greece began to see the writing on the wall, realizing that, yeah, we're next again. So they began defensive preparations all across the border. And kind of confusingly, the new Italian ambassador to Greece was friendly and trying his hardest to mend ties between the two nations during this time. So there's kind of like, we're seeing what Italy's doing, but also the, the ambassador is like, no, no, we're, we're cool. We, we have nothing against Greece. Like, this has nothing to do with Greece. You're fine. And now, as two-faced politically as this is, the ambassador actually had no idea. He was completely left in the dark about all of Italy's plans. Um, right. This is because they wanted him to also not look like he was hiding anything. And because the country the, full of just dick moves, man. And the Italian government was incredibly inefficient, mostly because right. of layers of power due to fascism. Uh, something we would see again in the Germans. Um, but he was like, in the very near future, there's war plans going on. And while he was just going about his day, smiling, making friends, like nobody in Greece had anything bad to say about him. He was actually pretty well liked. <laughs> It has nothing to do with anything. I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> now, France fell, obviously, big problem, and Greece caved to more and more British pressure because at this point, the war isn't going to be over by Christmas. Britain's in for the long haul, so they begin to you know, force Greece into giving them more and more allowances, meaning by British pressure, the Italian propaganda ended up becoming true. And one of the reasons is that is the British forced the Greeks to give them their entire merchant marine for British uses in war effort. Okay. Yeah. That's this, a of course, rude. is a massive violation of Greek neutrality and right. kind of makes it open season on their entire Navy, which, of course, is what, Itali- was, is what the Italian Air Force and Navy did. Um, now, each time a taxis got mad at this, it was smoothed over by the ambassador who had no idea about the coming war and was pointing out that, like, well, you know, the merchant marine is working with the British. We're at war with the British. And Metaxas really didn't have much of an argument to that because that was true. Right. Um, Italy invaded Egypt while Germany pushed into Romania in the eventual preparation for Operation Barbarossa, the final boss of this whole thing. Now, Mussolini was pretty upset about this. As Nazi power began to spread, Nazi power spread into places where Mussolini claimed for Italy. Uh, like, for instance, the Balkans, because remember, he claimed the entirety right. of the Balkans in the name of his imaginary Roman Empire 2.0. Suck it, dweeb. Yeah. So, Mis- I mean, Mus- Nazi's bad, but suck it, dweeb. <laughs> yeah, let him fight. Uh, now, yes. Mussolini was pretty goddamn mad that at no point of any of this was he enlightened at all to German war plans. Like, Hitler didn't even tell him about Barbarossa. Uh, he was not included in any of these plans because he considered Mussolini kind of shitty at his job and not to give Hitler any points here. He was not incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) So Mussolini figured, well, Germany isn't telling me about their war plans. I'm going to start planning war plans and not tell him. So he planned the invasion of Greece. That's exactly what it was. It was like, well, uh, uh, it's not a me. It's a you thing, I guess. Like he wanted to invade Greece to own Hitler. Not that Hitler had any designs over Greece yet. But it was more like, okay, well, you can take over all this shit without telling me. I can take over this shit without telling you. He figured he could do this without telling Hitler and then prove to Hitler that this German-Italian alliance was one of equals and not one of just Germany and a a literal ball of chain in the shape of a boot. (laughs) We're not a client state. We're not a client state. That's really what it was, is them treading above water, trying to show them they can hang with his, with their big brother or whatever. And not to, like remember, Mussolini was in charge first, and Hitler looked up to him at for some time. And that, that power dynamic began to change rapidly. And Mussolini was like, oh, no, uh, I, I'm losing my fascist street cred or whatever, because no. I keep getting owned whenever I go to war. I'm not owned. I'm not owned. Another person surprised by Mussolini's plans was his own commander, Badoglio. Once again, the Italian military was not ready. And by Badoglio's estimation, it would take another three months to fix with full German support and make them ready for war. They didn't have enough soldiers for the war either. 
as Mussolini had a tendency of mobilizing the reserve to help with harvests, which he had just done with over a half a million Italian soldiers. Christ. Now, this could... This is, was a very normal thing for some places to do when they had a labor shortage and also because they didn't feel like paying people a lot. Uh, and they could just use conscripts for that. But it also took away you know, a solid half million soldiers for any possible future war effort for about a month, month or two. Right. Now, knowing all of this and knowing that none of it would bother if he complained, Badoglio didn't even bother bringing it up at this point. Instead, he silently hoped that the king, the only person that could legally tell Mussolini no at this point, would stop the war. But he didn't, because the king thought it'd be pretty fucking cool if he was also king of Greece. God damn it, dude. Victor Emmanuel, you son of a bitch. Yep. At which point, Mussolini gave Badoglio 16 full days to plan a full-scale invasion of Greece. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> At this point, Badoglio ran around uh, to various units in the in the Italian military, trying desperately to find a reason to postpone the invasion. This included telling like uh, people in logistics to like purposely slow down supply trains to buy him more time, which failed because Mussolini didn't give a shit about any of that. He didn't care if his uh, supplies were all failing miserably. He's like, "Don't need them. I don't give a shit." Uh, now, this did buy a couple more days for the invasion, but it, it does not matter. Now, this war is uh, figured to be such a cakewalk that during a meeting of the Grand Council of Fascism, yes, that is actually what it was called. Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's like, what is the opposite of the Justice League? (laughs) The Legion of Doom, Joe. Duh. That's what I said, the Grand Council of Fascism. Oh, okay. I thought you were seriously asking. (laughs) Now... Mussolini and his generals believe that the Greek people would not bother defending the government, which was pretty unpopular. And that part was true. People did not like Metaxas that much. They didn't think that the British would bother helping the Greeks because, you know, they had a lot of shit going on. And uh, like nobody mentioned really that uh, any kind of invasion of Greece would be over incredibly rough terrain where there was very, very, very few roads. All of those roads happened to be dirt. And, you know, it was the fall, so it was going to rain a lot. Thank Wash God these the roads Italians out. are famously good at invading stuff. Yep. Uh, nobody cared to mention all that. Uh, in case anybody's going to keep a scoreboard, that's a solid 0-3. Uh, now, there's a, there's a bit of unification within Greek society already from the, uh, the pressure that the Italians are putting on, especially bombing the, the Greek Navy, because these ships are manned by Greeks. So that's slowly bringing... The people closer to Metaxas, who didn't really have their favor yet. And that's when we fully enter on the, uh, okay, fu- the grand unifying theory of fuck that guy, where people rallied around Metaxas because the Italians invaded. Like they, they literally shot themselves in the foot. Um, there's also another standing work. This is another fun side story here. Uh, Mussolini uh, reportedly sent aside tens of millions of lira to bribe various Greek politicians and generals uh, to open up the road to Athens, uh, effectively just buying people off, thinking that they're disloyal. They're very easy to purchase. Uh, well, fashion wise, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, all of this is given to Italian agents and spies to spread around before the invasion. And, and then just keep the money. It all vanished. Ah, <laughs> nobody knows what happened to it. Like uh, what's for certain is nobody turned. Not until after the occupation. There was no like divisions of Greek soldiers that turned around and started marching towards Athens or threw their weapons down in Moss or anything like that. Like the collaborationists, like most collaborationists occurred after the Greek already, the Greeks already lost. Um, so fucking funny. Yeah. Like just merely like someone get bribery. Right. (laughs) Right. Now, after Badoglio told him repeatedly that uh, Mussolini should tell Hitler about these plans, you know, just in case, maybe. Um, Mussolini repeatedly told him to fuck off. And then he caved. Uh, He wrote a letter to Hitler that said, quote, Sorry, daddy. (laughs) I'm sorry. Now, the attitude of these letters would rapidly change over the next couple weeks. This is his first letter. Quote, In regards to Greece, I am resolved to put an end to it without delay and very soon. Greece is to be the Mediterranean as to Norway is to the North Sea, and it must not escape the same fate. Now, obviously... Nazi Germany famously invaded Norway. 
So like this is saying without saying we're going to invade Greece. Right. But it didn't say we are going to invade Greece. And Hitler operating under like I really hate to give this much credit to Hitler and everybody can be mad at for mad at me for it. It's fine. But Hitler figured he was talking to a rational ally and realized that invading Greece right now would be a very bad idea because at this point, Mussolini was aware of Barbarossa. Italian units would take part in Barbarossa to a limited extent. So is Hitler figuring, all right, go invade Greece. I need the manpower for Barbarossa. No, he's thinking anybody with two fucking brain cells to rub together would know that getting involved in another front be a very stupid idea right now because of all of the massive amount of manpower and material being diverted to Barbarossa. Right, right, right. That's what so, I'm saying. Yeah, so like, he's like, you know, he's probably not going to invade Greece. That'd be fucking stupid. Um, no. Okay, no, I got it. All right, cool. Roll time. And eventually Hitler was let in on the plan not because Mussolini told him but because that his minister of uh, the Italian minister of foreign affairs Galizo Siano let the entire war plan slip during a game of golf with the German ambassador while in Rome because uh, apparently the foreign mi- the the foreign minister just really sucks at his job and just lets top <laughs> secret shit slip left and right but of course the amb- the German ambassador ran back and told Hitler, like, uh, hey, guy, Italians are playing <laughs> some shit. Lately? Uh, now, H- uh, Hitler found out he absolutely lost his fucking shit, reportedly like stomping around his office, screaming and cursing for like hours. Then he jumped on a train and immediately rushed to Italy to talk to Mussolini about it. And mostly, and by talk to me, like, don't fucking do it. Uh, right. Now, meanwhile, in Greece, the ambassador is forced to go knock on a door of the Greek dictator Metaxas and hand him an ultimatum that had just shown up at his office, completely unaware of what was happening in Rome. Now, this ultimatum pretty much boiled down to uh, give up Greek uh, sovereignty uh, and, and take and accept total occupation or go to war. Uh, this is somewhat even funnier because the two of these guys were just having drinks the night before. Um, Jesus. Metaxas famously answered with, quote, I cannot make a decision to sell my house on a few hours notice. How do you expect me to sell my country? No, get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Will they celebrate the day he says no to? I don't know that much about Greece. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll say Metaxas is a uh, complicated character in Greek history. Well, they all are. Um, Yeah, Uh, he's not exactly championed, but he is also... He gets a little bit of uh, 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 grass is always greener treatment because the person that takes gotcha. over after him was really bad. Uh, and okay. then, of course, the occupation occurred and there's literal Nazis in charge. But we'll get there. Now, not too long after that, a three-pronged Italian invasion was launched with 162,000 men. Now, that isn't that many. No. Um, this is less than half of the number that Badoglio thought that they would actually need to actually prosecute this war. And since the takeover of Albania... Italy had been kind of using Albania as a mine rather than like a puppet. And by a mine mean they were extracting people to conscript into the Italian military. Oh, Uh, Like a huge amount of the Italian invasion force was Albanian conscripts. And if you're thinking they got any training before they shipped out, you must be new to the show. Hello. Welcome. Uh, They did not even have to fire a gun. Come on, man. These poor Albanian conscripts who mind you, do not speak Italian uh, 90% of the time. We're reinforced by reservists uh, who were too old for regular service because Mussolini refused to cancel his harvest mobilization. So the only people available were retired Italians and 17-year-old Albanians. <laughs> it's like you don't even want to win a fucking war. <laughs> Now, caught up in the war boner of a nation, the Italian foreign minister, Siano, jumped in a bomber aircraft to fly missions himself, wanting some of that sweet, sweet war glory. Now, he flew precisely one mission, nearly got blown out of the sky, and immediately ran back to Rome, where he was hailed as a hero, never flew another mission again. Well, he didn't try again, I guess. There's There's something to be said for learning from your mistakes. I don't know. I wish he would have tried again, and then he didn't have to worry about landing. Yeah, me too, Joe. I hope hope this bomber mission takes you directly to the scene of the crash. Please listen to our Nazi rocket melting episode. (laughs) (laughs) Our highest rated show, actually. You're welcome. 
as the Italians marched into Greece, they got bitch smacked by weather once again, just like they were warned about. Wow, it's crazy how that works. Endless, blinding, pounding, icy rain flooded even the smallest brook into raging walls of water, and the few dirt roads that crossed the invasion route were turned to useless tracks and morasses of mud uh, that none of the vehicles could get through. And this is normally where, like, uh, even back then, uh, military's like, well, we have pack animals. Pack animals will... uh, We'll be able to get through this mud because at the time they're more reliable than a lot of the vehicles that these nations have uh, for military use. Sure. But uh, didn't have enough uh, pack animals either uh, because the Italians didn't think they would need them. And they were also diverted for harvest purposes. Wow. What a great country for planning. Further, the Italian supply system, which hardly functioned in peacetime, completely disintegrated. Now, the That's reason a contradiction right there. Right. Now, the reason for this is uh, actually kind of hilarious and uh, great when it comes to fascist aesthetics. Now, the main shipping uh, rate route for this uh, uh, invasion would be through Durazzo, Albania, which is the closest nearby. So since the invasion of Albania, Italy had been rapidly attempting to make it look like the Las Vegas version of Rome by slapping a whole bunch of cheap, shittily built marble structures up. (laughs) So the port had been completely clogged with Italian ships loaded down with marble, leaving no room for war supplies. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking morons. We may have not had bullets for our soldiers, but we we turned Tirana into the fucking strip. (laughs) You guys, look, this one has a water slide in it. Now, uh, what do you mean? Where are we going to get our food? Who needs food? We have the Bellagio. Keep up. (laughs) Now, uh, at one point, they did like Jenga the ships around and got 30,000 tons of supplies offloaded onto the port. Small problem like we already talked about. There's no pack animals. There's no vehicles. They just sat there. there. All of the food rotted and the ammunition set out in the sun. Nobody fucking offloaded anywhere. What a shame. Now, uh... Funny story about a, a port full of ships in a time of war. That's what we call a target-rich environment, Liam. And this is where the mostly destroyed Greek Navy sailed out for probably the funniest battle of all time. Uh, the Greek Navy, which, remember, had been mostly taken over by the British. A lot of their ships already being sunk before the war even started. So they relied on their, uh, their ace in the hole, we'll call them, which was a submarine fleet of four ships from World War I. <laughs> Ah, yes, the proud fight and suck it, dweebs. (laughs) These rickety shit buckets of naval warfare (laughs) limped their way into the port and immediately destroyed 27,000 tons of Italian supplies in a single (laughs) week. (laughs) Those fucking (laughs) oitoys. That's fucking funny. Like, it's literally shooting fish in a barrel, but it's an Italian guy in a boat in a port. Now, as things began to look really bad for the Italians, they got worse because now the Italians, for some reason, figured through all their brilliant intelligence gathering operations that the Greeks would be able to muster only around 30,000 men. I don't know why they thought that. There's no evidence that this is even remotely accurate uh, because instead, uh, Greece is able to muster uh, 230,000, which... Which is double the invading force. (laughs) That's a lot of dudes. Now, to be completely clear, they're about as bad already as the Italian conscripts, the Albanian conscripts. They were very, very raw. They had terrible equipment. And that's terrible equipment compared to the Italians. Oh, that's tough. But this is the mental game involved. They were fighting on their own turf. They And not like... It's noted they had fanatical morale. Uh, Like, for instance... C.L. Salzberger of the New York Times, who was on scene, noted, quote, rickety trucks bounced to the front over impossible roads, bearing Hellenic fishermen and farmers. They rode to their death and glory with garlands over their ears and rifle muzzles stuffed with flowers, shouting on to Rome. Antiquated mountain artillery was trundled along ridgecombs shelled with fascists in the valley. Greek army infantry guard patrols attacked with their knives in their teeth, biting the scared Italian infantrymen. I visited a forward prisoner's cage that included dozens of frightened fascists with tooth wounds in their shabbily bandaged necks. <gasps> they were they were literally <laughs> fighting the Italians tooth and nail. 
And that, and like, that is like the morale aspect of war, which is more important than people think it is. But also like the practical side of this, which were, they were fighting in Greece. Their supply lines were much shorter. Yeah. They were like two blocks that way. Yeah. And because of the shit state of the Italian artillery, even though the Greeks were using pretty bad artillery themselves, it gave them an advantage. Now, in the Italians' deepest penetration to Greece, the 3rd Giulia Alpini Division, eh, make your jokes, advanced 25 <laughs> miles in five days into the Metzivan Pass in the Pindus Mountains. Now, once inside the pass, they were trapped in an ambush that lay waiting, waiting for them because, you see, the Greeks knew there's only one way through these mountains and they have to take we it. We have it. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so they simply waited high up in the mountains for the third to walk right on through where they were surrounded by a Greek force that outnumbered them by around 10,000 for weeks. Fuck. The Greek encirclement was complete. And once the uh, the encirclement was complete, all the men, women, and children from outlying villages that were not in the battle formations began to ferry them up supplies and human chains. And occasionally they picked up a weapon themselves to take a shot at the fascists. God bless them, man. <laughs> My son Theodoros also shot at the Italians. <laughs> By the time that the Italians were able to break through and out of the Greek trap, they left one-fifth of their entire invasion force dead on the mountains. And, and countless others. Bitten. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we all have bite wounds? <laughs> you imagine the indignity? I mean, like, I understand like all war is indignant, but losing to a guy who bit you and then slashed your jugular? Alexandros, did you bring a gun? Don't need one. Got my teeth. That adds weight, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Little known fact about the Greek health system. Great dental plan. (laughs) On the morning of November 14th, an international group of war correspondents was nearing the front lines when suddenly an Italian soldier ran past, quote, they're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) An Italian got bitten. (laughs) This is a Greek guy hanging off the end of his arm. What's up? I'm Stavros. <laughs> nice to meet you. If you know what I mean. Uh, an Italian reporter said, quote, they say the Greeks are coming. Within the first week of the war, the Italians were already losing. That's, yeah, that's out of Italy. By mid-November, Greek general Alexandros Papagos, strong oh, yeah. Greek name, uh, <laughs> began to plan something. Now, Papagos is a guy that has an interesting history himself, and he had actually already been fired for an embarrassing Greek military defeat at the hands of the Turks in the 1920s, uh, but was eventually brought back in by the king when things began to get kind of fashy. Um, <laughs> Alexandros rides again. Yeah. yeah uh, when, when, Greek, uh, when, when Greece started to lean heavily towards the Metaxas sides of things, um, uh, Papagos was known to be a, a, a monarchist. So, like, you know, he's Politically, he's on our side. He got uh, brought back into the fold. And by World War II, he was the Greek commander-in-chief, second only to the king himself. And soldiers were incredibly loyal to him, which is always good. Like I I know like having strong men, bad, actually, I get it. But soldiers will do incredible things for people that they're loyal to. I Um, I will say, anyone who's willing to charge into battle and just start biting dudes... Is, don't uh, need a rifle. I feel like if you know that's wait. I feel like that's that's all you need. I could I could capture Rome with like a hundred dudes who are willing to bite their way there. And it's like uh, later on the the British get involved and they note that like they would rather have fifty Greeks and a thousand Italians on their side. Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> right. <laughs> now with the Italians on their heels and rapidly running out of supplies, Papagos knew that it was time to punish them and launched a counteroffensive. Uh, because, you know, this is when you launch a counteroffensive is immediately after the initial offensive fails before they can dig back in and rebuild. Operation now, cannot possibly fail a second time. Yeah, the uh, the limited Ford Italian positions crumbled immediately upon the uh, Greek counteroffensive and their withdrawal pretty much uh, uh, lost all kind of semblance of control and turned to a confused route as all order and discipline broke down and Italians simply ran back towards Albania in a dead sprint. Now, uh, wow, I am shocked and, and amazed that that would happen. Uh, it's an, there's an interesting Italian captain named Fer, uh, Fernando Campione uh, who wrote extensively during this time. And this is like the most uh, the, the most Italian um, 
uh, perspective of the war that I could find. And he, this is of the confusion of, uh, of the retreat uh, that he described, quote, Another infantryman is lying on the road. His hands are contracted. A shell splinter tore through the right side of his stomach, where the clotted blood has formed a huge, dark, filthy stain on his jacket. Another soldier who has managed to scrounge some alcohol, swaying and staggering in his drunkenness, carrying his in his arms stolen tuna fish weighing several kilograms. <laughs> so there's just like death, destruction, and, and complete chaos everywhere as the Italian military in Greece rapidly crumbles. Uh, now, the Italian supply situation was so bad in its ports now, they decided that they'd have to rely on air support uh, and airdrop in supplies to the Italian oh, military. <laughs> now, the uh, the Italian Air Force is not good. Uh, that it is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they immediately missed these supply drops and just fired crates full of supplies directly at the Greeks out of the line. Oh, thanks, and, guys. <laughs> and the Greeks are badly in need of supplies, too. Right. So, like, they're like, oh, fuck yeah, bullets. Because um, <laughs> there's, there's like, firsthand accounts during the counteroffensive, even when they're winning, Greek soldiers had like seven bullets between them. Uh, they're like, no suppressive fire, make that shit count, homie. <laughs> why, they, why they even have bullets? More knives, more bike wounds. <laughs> yeah. The only thing they're handing out is like mouth guards. Um, <laughs> like, all right, Alexandrus. Now remember what we talked about. Go for the neck, buddy. <laughs> now the Greek forces now now like almost triple the size of the invading Italians. Not only pushed the enemy completely out of Greece, they kept going and invaded Albania. <laughs> oh, all right, yeah, sure, why not? Meanwhile, the Albanians were probably like cheering for the the Italians to lose. Like, oh shit, the Greeks are coming in now. Get the fuck off our lawn! <laughs> Spoils of war. Just to let you know how this is going for the Italians, uh, these are the journal entries for the minute the foreign minister during the offensive, and it's it's kind of funny in how uh, uh, downplayed they are. December seventh, news from Greece confirms the reports that the situation is serious. December seventeenth. Again, a bad withdrawal in Albania. December 19th, the Siena division was broken to pieces. December 27th, oh. <laughs> the usual story in Albania. And this just this, this displeases El Duce. <laughs> <laughs> January 11th, 1941. We are not getting very good news. Someone's <laughs> on snacks. <laughs> My favorite part is this displeases El Duce. Um, <laughs> Now, by the time the Greek offensive stopped, uh, which it pretty much only stopped because they they just ran out of bullets, uh, they had God driven the them. they had driven the Italians back fifty miles and punched thirty miles into Albania. Italian soldiers tossed down their weapons and surrendered rather than fight by the tens of thousands. An elderly Greek woman watching as twenty six thousand Italian prisoners of war walked by said, "Quote." I feel sorry for them. They're not warriors. They should carry mandolins instead of rifles. Oh, and then she sank her teeth into the column. Fucking burn. Uh, you know, Graham, Grandma Alexandros. Fucking. Always, always up for a fight. Grandma with a diss track on the Italian POWs. Now, meanwhile, in, in, in old Italia, Mussolini was having none of this shit. He was losing it, screaming and yelling, blaming everyone but himself. He fired Visconti Prasca, the man who was in charge of the uh, the offensive under uh, the uh, dog, uh, Bad Doglio, and he fired his replacement immediately afterwards because he found out that instead of commanding the defense of Albania, he was composing music soundtracks for films. Bangers? Do we know if they were bangers? I'm going to assume that they were fine. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, now, when Badaglio, I ask the important questions on this show. <laughs> <laughs> he actually uh, wrote a uh, WAP, honestly. Uh, uh, straight fire? Yeah. Wet ass pr- pr- Prosca. Wet ass um, prisoners of war <laughs> featuring an audio clip that's just more bites. <laughs> <laughs> just the sound of Greek teeth gnatching. Um, now, Badaglio pointed out that, remember when I told you all of this would happen? Uh, you remember how you didn't listen to me? Uh, so of course Mussolini, never taking blame upon himself for anything, uh, turned the Italian press against Badoglio until Badoglio finally resigned. Uh, which like, good. I'm glad he finally got out of there. Now you don't yeah. have to deal with this shit anymore. Now at this point, Mussolini in his office and only to his aid broke down into a fat sobbing good old cry. Oh. Uh. Good. Sing, <laughs> yeah, good. Hang yourself next. 
saying that he needed to call Hitler and hope that he could mediate well, a truce. Daddy. <laughs> Go running back to daddy Hitler. Mm. Now, he, at this point, Mussolini wasn't looking for military assistance. He figured that Germany would be able to mediate a ceasefire before the Greeks <laughs> took over all of Albania. Oh, my God. <laughs> he said, quote, there is nothing more to be done. It is ridiculous and grotesque, but it is the way it is. It do be like that sometimes. Siano now, talked him out of the idea, however, writing bitterly, quote, I would rather put a bullet in my head than telephone Ribbentrop, the Nazi foreign right. minister. <laughs> Understandable. I would also not want to talk on the phone to the Nazi foreign minister. Uh, by December, Mussolini broke down again, telling his ambassador to Germany to call Hitler for military help. Uh, but it turned out none of this actually mattered. Hitler, knowing Mussolini was a fucking idiot, had ordered the invasion of Greece a whole month before, independent of any Italian um, uh, uh, like knowledge. negotiation yeah. or knowledge. And uh, this, they were ready to go before the Italian military was ready to admit that they needed help. While all of this is going on, the Italian soldiers are forced to dig into the Albanian mountains and hills as winter fell on them and temperatures dropped to below 20. Unpleasant. Our, uh, our friend Captain uh, Fernando wrote of the, of the grim conditions, quote, the major this shit in- sucks all caps. <laughs> <laughs> I am fucking cold. Uh, quote, the major in command drags himself with his feet affected by the beginning of frostbite. His serious, emaciated, livid face betrays the tragedy of the days and nights have passed in the cold and snow. He said that 40 men are frozen to death daily. Good. Don't be <laughs> a fascist. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you want to freeze to death in the mountains? Don't invade Greece. Stay on your own side, dickheads. Yeah. When warned that his soldiers were freezing to death, Mussolini said something that is honestly so fucked up. That's wow. Mussolini said that. No, I get it. Up? Yeah, I know. But this is so fucked up. It's even fucked up for something that like a fascist dictator would say about his own soldiers. He said, quote, the snow and cold are very good. It, it is in our way. Uh, it is in a way our good for nothing men and this mediocre race will improve. Uh, it sounds like something an NCAA football coach would say. Kind of. Yeah. Like you uh, like the coward. The heat makes cowards of us all right before your 19 year old sophomore dies at Maryland. It's yeah. fine. Uh, and like, it's like I said, um, it's very rare that as like a lower enlisted person, former lowerly enlisted person, that you hear someone say things that you assume that they believed but never, would never say out loud. Right. Even for Mussolini, that's grim. And I don't say yeah. that often. Like, even Hitler didn't say this about the Germans. <laughs> like, towards the end of the war in his bunker, he blamed like the inferiority of the Germans for not wanting to win and this, that, and the other thing. But like, Normally, it wasn't like, uh, the German soldiers are freezing my Fuhrer. He's like, yeah, fuck them. I don't give a shit. Let them play in the dark. <laughs> yeah. But the military successes of Greek of the Greeks didn't mean that they were any better off. Greek soldiers were subsisting in a near starvation diet of literally like a handful of bread and olives per day. Uh, an American correspondent noted their uniforms seemed two sizes too big for them uh, because they were just starving and losing right. all of their weight. Greek amputations from frostbite reached a horrifying 11,000. Ammunition was beginning to run low as British had to find the right ammunition because the Greeks used like an amalgamation of British weapons, French weapons, uh, captured Italian weapons. Or they could get their hands on, yeah. Yeah, and like the British had to run and find like five different kinds of ammunition and ship it across the Aegean. And then move it and across to get sunk and so on and so forth. Right. Right. Make it through an active war zone and then move it up hardly existing roads, which remember were flooded and then like collapsed and all sorts of other things. And they right. would use mules and also just hand carried strapped on the peasants backs. So like oh. there's the Greek supply line is hurting. not doing it's great. Right. Yeah, now. It's not doing great. Now, the Greeks suffered another moral blow, a mortal blow here, uh, when the leader of their nation, Metaxas, suddenly died of tonsillitis after an operation on January 29th, 1941. Um, now, Metaxas, I have nothing nice to say about his politics uh, or even who he was as a person, <laughs> for that matter, but he was a unifying force for the Greek military, uh, even more so than the king at this point. Well, and, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, fascist bad, strongman bad, but you, you, and I'm not gonna say hand it to him, but uh, 
the Greeks literally chased the Italians out of their country with uh, with with teeth wounds. So like, right? That's fairly impressive. And there's something to be said about you know the, a unifying force in a time of war. I mean, we've been talking about that in right. almost every series we've talked about, and like, it's it's important to see the contrast. The guy who will take over next and his successor, Alexander Koiritz. Um, was the head of the National Bank of Greece. He had no political experience whatsoever, um, and he was appointed. Uh, which, you know, like, I understand that in, t- in emergency times, people have to take over what they have to take over. But in the middle of a war, is not a great time for on-the-job training for a politician. Um, no. But the taxes dying actually had another pretty big impact on the war. During all of this time, noted bastard and fan of the show, Winston Churchill, um, wanted to supply Greece with not only weapons, but thousands of British soldiers. Because For obvious reasons, Greece falling is bad. Right. But if Greece wins and keeps the Italians at bay, we have a southern theater of war that's now open against the Germans. Right. Right. Um, but Metaxas really didn't want British soldiers on Greek soil. He's like, no, this is a Greek war. We'll fight it. But Metaxas is dead now. Also, give us our Navy back, please. Yeah. Also, like, give us our fucking Navy back. Uh, I, I do not blame Greece for wanting to keep British people away. No, no absolutely not. <laughs> um, Famously. Yeah. Now, at this point, uh, Koyritz, who is kind of a figurehead he has no we'll talk about him more next episode but he's very he's in power for a very very small amount of time we'll talk about it um and he the government's pretty much taken over by the king uh because he's he's shown to be completely incompetent and weak at his job and the king and other politicians in greece is like no 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 we we need british soldiers at this point because british soldiers come in they bring british supply lines right this could only benefit greece at this point and uh, arguing about it or not, eventually 58,000 Commonwealth troops landed under the command of Henry Maitland Wilson, a man so large he was nicknamed Jumbo. The same nickname as Mood. LBJ's dick. <laughs> do we not have an LBJ clip? We do not have an LBJ clip, no. Joe! Um, ask me about my pecker, Joe. As the winter began okay. to turn to spring. <laughs> Don't ask me about my pecker. The uh, the war was about to start this time with the British and German help. Right. And that is where we'll pick up next time. And unfortunately, this is like as happy as the story gets is this episode. Oh, we, we know how this one ends, unfortunately. Unfortunately, fuck it. We always do, buddy. Yeah. Anyway, that's part one. Liam, thank you for joining me uh, as always. Um, You're welcome. Everybody, uh, thank you for listening to the show. Listen to Liam's podcast, Well, There's Your Problem and 10,000 Losses. Thank you, Joe. You got to come on that. I I will. uh, Whenever you talk about my miserable sports teams. And uh, until next time, don't. uh, If fascists wander into your yard, bite out their throats. Bite them. Bite them. Bite them. them.